Wow, it's like nice and classical sounding. It almost sounds like this is like a highbrow show, you know? It's right, like, right. Uh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I know, it's a really cool song. And uh, what? Man, I need some whiskey. Not not a beer and a, a cigarolla over here. I need some whiskey or something like scotch. Mm-hmm. I got an IPA. Ah. I don't even like IPA, but. Oh, thank you. I, I don't it's like what I have. IPAs it's either. No, I don't. I went down to my local shell and. If you want something that has nine percent alcohol, you get IPA, and I got IPA. IPA or, or malt liquor? <laughs> yeah, I have uh, natural natural ice in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, I had a an ice house the other day because my dad used to drink a lot of that. I was like, man, oh, yeah. going with malt liquor stuff. Anyway, on uh, Hard Talk Radio, your host, Mister Deadman, uh, with me tonight is Robert Essig. Essig, you got Essig. it. All you right. didn't put an N in there like most people. They say Essing. It's Essing. Essing. Yes. It's a, well, I'm not I don't pretty, know why. I'm not. I'm not that drunk yet. Um, <laughs> only, I had some gentleman Jack before I started the stream, so I'm not. I'm not putting in letters in your name yet. But maybe during the show we'll find out. There's time. There's time. Now, a quick, uh, quick shout out real fast for a promo that's happening right now. Right now, that's only happened for this weekend, today, tomorrow, and Sunday. Okay, you can get Damascus Mintzmeyer's book. He is an author. He's also the artist guy who's worked on the covers for Dead Man's Tome. You've probably seen him before. Um, there's the artwork behind me. Okay, really good art. Uh, he has a book out there. It has a collection of 18 stories. Let me go ahead and put it on the screen here for you guys to see it. Uh, let's go ahead and do that right now. Bam. Okay, so this is going to be free right now for Kindle. So you can download it. No cost to you. It's free. You could literally go, oh, man, let me go check out this book. I'm interested. It's free. You can't make it any better than that, okay? Uh, the only reason why you would not get it is because you don't have a Kindle or you couldn't even you couldn't even be bothered. But it's it's really good. It's really good, man. The, the Damascus Minspire is a great author. Uh, he's also a great artist, a good overall good guy. So check that out. It's going to end Sunday at midnight, so there's that. And... Look, I'll put in this thing on the Kindle thing. If it if it's not free on the UK side or whatever, I don't control that, okay? So if that is what it is, come at me, and uh, I'll get you a free copy of, of the uh, ebook. okay? So there's that. Anyway, let's go ahead and get this started. So, Robert, uh, I asked one question with all my guests. That is, uh, who are you, and what does your mom do? <coughs> well... I'm Robert Essig. I, uh, well, I moonlight as a horror writer because, uh, you know, I don't, you know, make a living off of writing horror. So in the daytime, I, uh, I do construction type work here in, uh, around about Knoxville, Tennessee. What does my mom do? My mom's retired in Arizona. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> oh man. I totally botched the question. I always do. No. Uh, who are you and what do you do? But you got construction. Okay, you balance out with construction and then yeah. hard writing. Uh, so far, right. your, your writing doesn't pay the bills yet. Maybe one day yeah. it will. Uh, yet. Yeah, okay. So yet since uh, 2008, I've been saying yet years and years and years. Uh, we, that's okay. A lot of us have. A lot of a lot of authors that have on the show <laughs> yes. have. Now, I will tell you, if you want that hope, that carrot to dangle in front of you some more, I have authors that have been on the show that have been traditionally published and they have success. And then authors that were uh, self-published and they've also had success where they pay for their own. How they do it, they explain it in those episodes. Uh, I can tell you it's a lot of hard work and it's constantly grinding. Yes. And they also manage their lifestyle too. So right. that. Anyway. I know the writing's always the fun part. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know... And I, I set aside a time to do that every single day. I wake up early. I write for an hour at least, you know, before work and everything. But, yeah, there's a lot more that goes into it, especially with the self-published type of thing, right, with the, uh, you know, promoting yourself and getting out there, which is my weak point for sure. It's a lot of people's weak point. I mean, yeah, even indie it's publishers, tough. when you work with the indie publisher, they, they have to constantly – promote and advertise and if that indie publisher yeah. guy is working he, he might have to you know manage his time and figure out you know how to how to best do that anyway so but why har like what got you into har well you know 
I'm not completely sure why, but I know that for whatever reason, when I was a kid and my mom would go to the market, I've said this before uh, in, in interviews, you know, I would always sit at the, the, the magazine rack and I'd look at Fingoria. Fingoria drew me and I look at Fingoria, I look at everything in there, late 80s, early 90s. And something about it really, you know, I was drawn to it. And we go to the, you know, we go uh, to the you know, video discount, the local mom and pop video store, and I would be drawn to the horror section. Flip that movie around, you see those little thumbnails of Jason's mother's severed head or something. And there's something about it that really is like, oh, wow, you know, it's kind of like scary. I don't know what it was. That's what initially drew me to horror. I don't know why. I didn't, you know, go to the the drama section and go, wow, that's really interesting. Al Pacino in a, a gangster movie or something. I, I went to the horror section. Ah, look at that. And, and so over, you, were, you were drawn to the violence, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Was it was it the gore? Was it the monsters? Was it you mentioned Jason? Was it like the mask murder? <laughs> I think I think at first it was because there was something about it was kind of like scary, you know. I was a kid, uh, you know, oh, what is this? It's kind of terrifying. But then, you know, at a pretty young age, I was allowed to watch horror movies and rent them at the video stores, and I, I that's all I rented, right? And, mm-hmm. and then it was like, oh, uh, you know, there's some dark stuff, man. And it was something really interesting about stepping inside that dark world and being able to, I don't know, just play around in it, right? Look at something that you're probably not supposed to see, or at least it felt that way, especially, you know, back in the day watching the old VHS, you know, you're, you're watching Return of the Living Dead or Dead Alive or, or uh, you know, whatever. And like, oh, yeah, Evil Dead. Right. It's like and, you weren't supposed to watch it. It was like taboo. It was like forbidden. It was like... Yeah, it felt like that at the time, right? You know? Now it doesn't feel like that, and it isn't like that because, you know, there's stuff like uh, The Walking Dead that everyone and their mother watched, and, and I watched the first five seasons of it. You know, yeah. I, I, I binged it years later, and I thought, oh, shit, you know, I don't. When I was a kid, none of my parent, my friends' parents, would have watched this, but they did, and that was weird, you know. Yeah, it really that that series really popularized the uh, zombies even more so, and yeah, which in this stream in this episode, we're definitely going to talk about horror movies, horror shows, old versus new. Uh, also, get into horror writing related stuff, as in like, how do you feel as a horror author when you, when you sell your stuff, the good and the bad. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit more. It's uh, let's explore a little bit more about what got you into horror. So it, it is. It does seem like it's that that taboo uh, kind of scary element. Like, were your parents strict about what you could watch? No, not particularly. I mean, when um, I lived in proximity of three little mom and pop video stores, and one of them I could ride my bike to and I would rent horror movies and they'd have to call my mom. And then eventually <laughs> my mom said, it's okay. As long as it's not an X-rated movie, he can rent it. I don't care. And I rented everything. I came home with faces of death, everything. <laughs> and my mom did at one point, I think I came home with like faces of death, the best of faces of death and death scenes. And she said, you know what? You can only rent one of that type of movie movie at a time. So, okay, okay, that's fine. But I bring Hellraiser and all this other stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just saturated my brain with, with horror movies at a very young age and, and loved it, I, you know. Well, I think that's, I mean, it's kind of similar to my story. I mean, I found horror through, I've, I said it before, through my mom. Like, she was a fan of uh, Halloween. I was playing one day. I watched it with her and it changed my world. It did. Now, as far uh, as Halloween. as far as it's horror, a, oh, go ahead. perfect classic, I love Halloween. So it's it's a perfect horror movie, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Now, as far as horror writing goes, I mean, you could make money, probably even more money, writing other genres like crime thriller or maybe yeah. some erotica on the side. Uh, right, you know, yeah, a lot of anything. people do write erotica on the side to make extra cash. Yeah, I mean, you got a, you got a pin name out there. I don't have a pin name out there. Plenty of people have, you know, Bigfoot erotica and shit. I don't have a pin name for any of that stuff. Oh yeah, that's Bigfoot. what I write, dude. That stuff sells. It's insane. Bigfoot it does, erotica. It does. 
And if you if you make it uh, <clears throat> certain ways, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so <laughs> but you could be writing that, making more money, but you're writing hard. Why is that? Because that's what interests me. I you know I've even let's take that the zombie trope. I remember thinking, you know, like 10 years ago when it was really just popular, I could write a zombie book and maybe I should do that because everyone's writing one. And then, you know, no, I can't. I couldn't because I, I didn't feel it. If I don't feel it, I can't write it. Right. And I kind of struggle with that because sometimes I have multiple things going on and because I'm feeling this project and I'm like, eh, then I get tired. I'm feeling this one. Eh. It's hard to, to focus on the thing that I know maybe, Oh, I should finish this or, or whatever. So no, that's why I don't write something that's just going to make money. Right. Okay. So I've thought you, about yeah, it for sure, you know, but nah, I don't think I could do it. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. You write what you know, you write what you want to write. Um, yeah. What I want to write, what I'm mm-hmm. passionate about mm-hmm. without that passion. I don't even, even know why would I write? So that's cool. School and I think a lot of people come from a place like that, where they yeah. write what they want to write, and they're not really persuaded by the money, which which is good. I, I think there's something to that. Now, are there certain themes that, that you like to tackle with your work? Well, it's not that there are themes I like to tackle on purpose that's thought out, but. If I look at my body of work, I think that there is a theme of being trapped that comes through. Being trapped. Okay. Right? Like For instance, um, my book Stronger Than Hate deals with a, a, an older woman who gets stuck in a sinkhole. She's trapped. Uh, an early novella I wrote called The Madness has to do with a guy who's – trying to get home through a snowstorm and he ends up having to take refuge in a stranger's home and he becomes trapped or okay. they trapped. However you want to look at that one. Cause that one has some twists and turns. And then another example is a, a story, a book called um, Mojave mud caves where people sort of become trapped in these caverns and, and some mountains. And I thought about it and I was like, yeah, trapped. That's, that's, that's a running theme, isn't it? It's a running theme, but it's something that resonates with, with a lot of us, the feeling right. of trapped. And yeah. you could see that illustrated or um, depicted in various horror movies and horror literature where you have yeah. characters that are like isolated from, from society. And that's kind of how it starts. Right? You, you, yeah. You're cut off somehow. Maybe it's the, oh, no signal here, which still happens. I live in Texas. There's some areas where you just don't get any signal. Yeah. Um, or maybe it's just an isolated area, or maybe like you said, a sinkhole. Now I gotta say in that that sinkhole story, how did the woman get stuck in the sinkhole? Like, like what happened? Well, <laughs> I, uh, I, she's the way it is. She's out in the back of her garden, and the sinkhole just opens up, and she becomes stuck in oh, slides. Oh man! Okay. Now that came from an actual news story I heard. I was living in San Diego, but I heard a news story of a woman in Florida who had a sinkhole open up in her backyard, and she got stuck in it. And I thought, "Ooh, shit! What if the Florida. wrong people found you in that sinkhole, and no one heard you screaming out of that sinkhole?" And that's where the idea came from. Man, I- it could really happen. It really happened to some woman in Florida. I'm curious, uh, a sinkhole in Florida, I thought maybe like the water level would, would make that kind of difficult. It was, a, it was a news story. I don't live in Florida. I've never even been yeah. to Florida, but I don't know. I know, right? I, there's sinkholes. Ha- I'm, yeah, there they, have been sinkholes happen. in San Diego that were pretty gnarly. I'm not even sure what causes a sinkhole, but yeah, just, just imagine a sinkhole just happened like on your property and you just get stuck in it. What, what right. Would, what exactly. Would what do you do? You scream and you scream and yell, and you hope the right person comes to your aid, not the wrong one. Right? Like, if I was stuck in a sinkhole, uh, I would, I, I would try to. I think I would try. I'd try to climb out. I climb out. Yeah, yeah. I would too. (laughs) You know, hopefully she does, but she's an older woman. She she can't climb out, and then you know. Oh man, 
Oh, well, I, I seen it at the time I was writing the book. There was a story. I don't know where it was from about a sinkhole that opened up underneath. It was a it was a building that housed uh, exotic cars and they okay. lost Lamborghinis and Ferraris oh, no that way. fell in this giant sinkhole. And I was like, you know, yeah, yeah, this story works. Sinkholes just open up and they swallow, swallow stuff. Yeah, yeah. it'll work. That sucks. Anytime yeah. the world could just, the earth could literally open up and swallow you. That's Yeah, crazy. I know, right? It's kind of scary. It is scary. It's like that line from, what was it? Uh, American Psycho. It's just like the earth just swallow. I forgot what the line was that Patrick Bateman said. It was like, the earth just like swallows these people. They just disappear. Oh. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. But it, it's just, it's just. What do you do in those situations, in those moments? I guess, all you, like you said, all you could do, really do is call for help. I hope help comes. Right. Um, yeah. Now, are you willing to tell us a little bit in the story? Like, what, what does she do? How does she try to get out? Like, uh, what are some hurdles she has well, to overcome? Yeah, well, what yeah, – I'll tell a little bit. When she, uh, she hollers what – you know, her next-door neighbor – what happens? She's a retired uh, high school teacher. Her next door neighbor is in his twenties, and he was one of the last students she had. He happens to see this go down because his window faces her, you know, backyard. He has a two-story house. He comes around seeing that this happens, and then um, she's, you know, thanking God that you know he saw this happen, and yet when he comes back for with help which she would assume be the uh, – and this isn't giving too much away because it's the beginning of the story. Um, you know, fire department or something is going to put an extension ladder down there and she can climb out. He comes back with two other kids that were two of the worst kids she ever taught back in school who she flunked, huh. who hate her guts. Oh, no. Why would and he do that? Oh, what a because douche. He's a fucking asshole, right? I don't know. He's like, oh, yeah, there's I'll get you help, ma'am. That's the thing. There's more to that character in the story. He has a lot of things he's dealing with. Mm. He's trying to be cool. He's trying to impress these other, even though he's in his 20s at this point, he's still trying to impress what he perceived as the cool kids who were, oh. you know, the dickhead kids. And then it goes from there into really nasty territory. Oh, it'll be that way sometimes, you know. There's plenty of people who are adult age but still act like the kid or think, think they're a kid right. or still troubled by uh, issues they could overcome through high school. Like, oh, I, I didn't sit at the popular kid table. So, yeah. you know. I know, um, yeah. I can see that happening. So, right? I don't know. I, th- I, I think it's pretty plausible mm-hmm. for an insane story about a woman falling into a sinkhole and being tortured. Right? I'm definitely liking the premise. Definitely enjoying it. Now, what's the what's been the feedback like for this book? Um, pretty good actually. It's 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 an extreme novel. It's you know it's hardcore or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which all my books seem to get very positive reviews and then always some very negative ones. It's just the way it is, which is fine. I, I actually there's, there's a balance there, I guess, but. This one's gotten, you know, for the people who like that kind of stuff, the extreme horror, it's got very good reviews. And that's good. And when you say extreme, like how far does it go? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. See, the way I look at it is the people that are known for the extreme horror. So I don't really read or particularly care for extreme horror. Which some people might read this book and go, really? You don't? I, I don't. I don't read Rath James White or Edward Lee. I've tried to. I don't like it. It's not my thing. So I feel like it doesn't go to that extreme. But I guess it's left to the readers to, to decide whether it does or not. Because I don't really read that kind of stuff. I don't really like that. Okay. I don't read just you know, the most quiet whore in the world. But I just don't really read the very extreme stuff. Okay. Uh, give us you know. give us an example of how far it goes without giving too much away. Just like a tease, like we're talking about well, like, vulgar, vulgar language, a lot of blood, uh, kids being killed. Like like how far does it go? When you say it's um, uh, well, okay, you have someone who's okay, yeah. Now I start thinking about it, and they go, maybe it is as bad as those <laughs> authors. When you think about it, I don't know. We'll put it this way. 
It's a sinkhole. She's trapped in it. Some really bad people know about it. Uh-oh. Let's just say that they come up with something called... The, the, the woman's name is Mrs. Sh- Mrs. Um, Mrs. Mosley. They come up with something called the Mrs. Schmosley Shithouse Sideshow. Oh, God. And I'll just leave it at that. Oh, shit. <laughs> so maybe shit. it's pretty fucked up. But see, the thing is, I don't read that. You know, it's just, you know, we're letting my mind, you know, go where it goes. And that's where it went. So, hey, I mean, were you shit on as a kid? No, <laughs> I just have to ask. No. Just have to ask. No. When, you, no. when you wrote this book, did it come from a point of um, personal experience? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, not this one. I've neither fallen into a hole, and I've neither had any of the fucked up shit happen to me. That no. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's that's good. I I suppose, but so yeah, I guess it is pretty fucking extreme. I you know, that's the thing. I I sometimes don't realize just how maybe far some of the stuff goes. Hmm. Because and I because I I don't read that. I I go oh yeah, it's too much. I don't want to read that. Hmm. Well, don't worry about me. Um, I'm just asking questions here, and, and I like extreme stuff yeah. as well. Like I've said before, there's been many uh, a couple a handful of books I've purchased that. They got one star reviews for being vulgar, and I was like, "Well, right. that sounds like my kind of book right there." Okay. Um, by the way, I have the book on the screen here, uh, "Stronger Than Hate," and uh, so definitely check it out. Thirteen reviews, and it's looking at four point five. Looks like four four point seven. So pretty pretty healthy uh, review there, uh, rating I should say. So, Not bad. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Okay, so now. I believe you're working on something for Death's Head Press, if we could talk about that. I sure am. Okay. I, uh, I'm i writing one of them splatter westerns that have done so damn good last year, right? Those oh, things yeah. are hotcakes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm writing one of them. I, I've, I've, it's coming out in uh, 20, you know, 2022. It seems so weird the time. Uh, I've, written, I've only written one chapter. That's okay. But, what are you working on? No, what my, my thought is I'll start it at the beginning of summer by the latest, if not earlier. And I'm like, oh, I got to get this out of my head. But, yeah, I wrote a, a, a short – I've sold a couple of short stories that were Western horror stories. One of them is called uh, Hanging Around um, – oh, hell, I can't even remember at the moment. It's a long time ago. Hanging Around Singing Death Songs. And hmm. I liked the idea and I kind of – when I sort of contacted uh, Jared and Patrick of Death's Head, I, I'd asked if they thought about doing a, a collection of short stories. And I think they thought I meant an anthology of uh, other authors when I meant like one person does a bunch of short stories and they kind of weren't really into that idea. But they asked, well, would you like to write a book you know, for it? Because I, I really wanted to do a collection of short stories. So I, yeah, sure, you know, I'll I didn't have an idea at all, but I'm like, I'm not going to miss out on this. You know, this sound, this is a great, you know, to me, it seemed like a good opportunity because I've enjoyed the books that I've read from the series. I've been, you know, it's done very well. I feel like they might've asked me if I wanted to do one in the beginning. And I said, no, because mm. I did not have an inkling, inkling to do a, a, a horror Western for a long time. And I thought, you know, hanging on singing death songs. I like that story. So, I'm going to take that story and I'm going to expand it. I already have, you know, the ideas in my head and stuff uh, for a no, you know, novel or novella, whatever it turns out to be. Okay. And uh, okay. cool. one of the bases of that is uh, there's a, in a nutshell, uh, uh, in a town, <clears throat> traveling musicians who get heckled and they sing a death song and the person that heckled them dies. And over the course of, a few nights of playing at that, you know, doing their gig at that same saloon or whatever. And these people start dying. People realize what's up and want to kill them. But then they find out that they can't. Ah, Ooh. And we'll just leave it there. Right? Okay. Okay. So I like, I like what's going on here. So first off, <clears throat> what death said press is doing is great. Like with the spotted, spotted punk Western stuff yeah. doing amazing. Like you said, and yeah. I, I like that. It sounds like that they're 
they're actually they have authors in mind that they want to talk to and work they with. They they find talent. They they find talent that they that they're impressed by. They're like, you know, I work, I want to work with these people. So if they they came to you, so that means something. Like, how do you feel about that? How yeah. do you feel about the fact that Death Set Press selected you? Well, you, you were one of the one stronger of the than hate. They came to me asking for something when I sent them that. I got an email from Jared Barbie who asked, you know, you got something, you know, I like your work. And I was like, oh, really? And and I, you know, they were just starting. I think they had that first anthology. And Hell's Followed? That one, yeah. yes. That's and I, I mean. and I was like, okay. And I looked them up and I was like, oh, what are we, you know, what kind of stuff are they publishing? I was like, oh, hmm. Yeah. Wrath James White, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I have the perfect book for you. And, and I, you know, so they, they, you know, look, you know, sent me an email looking for that and then they, they published that. And then of course the one with Jack Bantry that we might've been talking about before we went live, uh, shallow graves, mm-hmm. we did that one. So, um, I was asking, you know, Hey, I've got another book. Do you want to look at it? Blah, blah, blah. And then just through, you know, different things. Of, oh, well, you know, would you look at a collection of Western stories? And then it turned out to, you know, be a full novel or whatever. Well, and it's, cool. it's, I wrote the first, cha- I, the first chapter. I think it's really good. I'm really happy with it. And I'm, I'm starting to plot out how the story's going to go. And I, I feel really good about it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually also impressed with the long-term plan that Death Death Set Press has. Yes. Um, yeah, your book is coming out 2022. Yeah, I have to okay. think of we're in 21. Yeah, next year. Yep. Yep. So long-term planning and probably the same artist, which is good. I mean, that they have a. Uh, my uh, understanding, uh, Justin T. Coots Coots something. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Justin is doing the same artwork for all of them, which is right. You gotta. Mm-hmm. You gotta keep it consistent. They have a thing going. Think about down the line, they could sell that as like collections, like a whole box set sort of thing. It's really, well, they, really Thunderstorm cool. Books did the specialty release of those the first set, you know, which is and they look great. And it's like, ah, oh, beautiful. So now that blend of splatter punk and western, like how does that like how does that work? work? Yeah. <laughs> I think it were well the the first one that came out that everyone talks about the magpie coffin is sort of you know what the spaghetti western right that was you know when the first time that the old John Wayne movie someone got shot and they just sort of fuck you know there it is right yep. <laughs> the old John Wayne movies you get shot and you sort of grab your chest and oh you fall and it's dramatic. The spaghetti westerns, they get shot and you see the blood, you see the shot and they go down and, it, you know, it's more dramatic and it's more intense. And I think they tried to make it – I've seen a lot of stuff on The Good and the Bad and the Ugly, how much Sergio Leone tried to make that like it was that time. That He looked at books that had to do with the Civil War and everything. I mean little things he did in that movie that you would – they're sort of throwaways. Mm-hmm. The guy strapped to the front of a train as it comes into the station. You might not see it, but if you do, you're like, what the heck? And then if you look, there was a reason he did that. It was something historic where someone would be strapped to the front of a freaking train as it's coming in, you know, stuff like that. But I think that sort of was the original sort of splatter Western, the, the, the spaghetti Westerns. But of course, you know, we're doing horror. That wasn't horror. And, you know, you amp it up another notch. Yeah. Really? You bring something else. What What if there were these horrors in those stories, you know? You could take the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you could put something really, truly nasty and horrific in it, as the books that have been coming out already show us, you know? Hmm. You know, what I was thinking about when you're talking is that your theme of isolation, yeah. was, it's a theme you explore in a lot of your books, it's also a theme that's very common in horror. Yeah, sure, you can say it's a trope, but some tropes are kind of necessary for it at times. It depends. Let's yeah. say with with westerns, you have that isolation. That's a that's a good point. There, you are far away from civilization. You you are on your own. It's you 
your gun, uh, your horse is your transportation. If your horse dies, all right, well, now you're walking and you're probably. What are you? You're out there. Yep. No, no So it's a perfect setting for a horror. It's like, okay. It is. So what do you add to it? Okay, you focus on the intensity, the the intensity of, I guess, of that of that fight or flight or. I guess, you really focus on like well, like I said, isolation, and the the grittiness of it all. That yeah, there is no real law and order necessarily, except for like the guy with a gun. <laughs> you know, he he's gonna right. be. Yeah, your judge, jury, and executioner in certain places. Like I'm thinking, Magpie Coffin. Like in that book, it's really intense. Like the blood is crazy, right. and yeah. the horrific elements. I mean, there's stuff. There's, well, I don't want to spoil that book, but there's a lot of yeah. brutality uh, going right. on there. And there is a scene in the book that's almost like it's taken from like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something. Kind of like, what there's like skinned faces and some weird right. shit yeah. going on. I, I remember that scene. Yeah. Yeah, so bam, there you go. You you there's got a, you got a horror western. <laughs> there's a movie I, I feel like it's called Dead Man or Dead Man Walking, not sure. It has Johnny Dead Depp. Man walking. <laughs> okay. Not Dead Man Walking, huh? cuz I think it's more I don't know. Dead Man. And anyways, there's a it, Johnny Johnny Depp's and it was a, a it was a western in there's a cannibal scene, a cannibal, you know, where they're eating some, and it's really like, oh, you know, what is this? And that's, I'm, that's, that's a splatter western, I suppose. Okay. I'm, the name of the movie, I'm not getting, but if anyone yeah, is watching I wish right I now, could... let, let us know in the chat. Also, if you watch the, know, in the comment section, let, let us know. Uh, I'm not going to Google that one. I'll just let the people figure that yeah, one out. Yeah. But. Another one that comes to mind is: Have you seen the movie? Uh, What's it called? I think Bone, Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a great example. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great movie too. I really enjoyed that. R- really good movie. And that man, that third act, that third act was yes. wild. <laughs> All about yeah. It's a great <laughs> traditional Western movie or whatever of the time in the you know like um, Tombstone or something, right? And then you get to that third act, and you're like, what the Fuck, just how, what are we, this is a horror movie all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. The first time I watched it, I was told it was a horror movie. About right, an hour in, I was like, where's the horror part? Like, yeah, this, this isn't a scene, movie. I'm not getting it. But, this is a really well-done Western. What is this? By Towards the last 30 minutes, you're like, oh, okay, yep. I see what's going on. And good payoff, good payoff. It's like, yeah. build it up that, yeah. Mm-hmm. They did a good job with that one. Yeah. Are there certain things about horror movies or the horror community, horror writing that, that really grind your gears that you don't care for? Well, yeah, I, I maybe, you know, I don't, I'm more of a fan when it comes to horror movies. I'm more of a fan of older horror movies, older stuff. And I'm 39 years old. You know, it's, you know, I maybe it's a little bit of, um, uh, that nostalgia thing. I don't know, but you know, plenty of good stuff comes out now, but I just, some of, I can, I can watch movies like return of the living dead or Texas chainsaw massacre, evil dead over and over and over again. Love it. I watch a movie that I enjoy. Uh, you know, um, I'm just fucking with you, which is a movie. Uh, it was a Hulu after dark series. It's a great, it's great. I love it. Loved it. Loved it. I should say loved it, but I don't want to watch it again. I just don't have the – so something about the newer movies, even if I really like it, I just don't feel like, eh, I can watch it over. Whereas, you know, I can watch old Vincent Price movies over and over again because I love Vincent Price and I love those old movies, whatever. Mm. So there's something about the old movies that really – and of course course we're talking about horror movies, obviously. There's something about the old horror movies that that stick with you – more than like this new stuff that's coming out. There is. And I, I would say it was somewhere around the nineties for some reason, you know, and I was a teenager in the nineties. I, I enjoyed stuff like event horizon and then, you know, scream or whatever. And I watched scream actually quite a few times. I don't care to watch it anymore, 
but I'll watch I'll watch Return of the Living Dead three times a year or Halloween, you know, ad nauseum because they're fucking great mm-hmm. and I love. Them. I could watch them over and over, and every time I feel like I could see something different, you know. And, and <laughs> these are classics we're talking about. I mean, in the, right. the horror classics, and I'm like 37. I could rewatch those movies. I have a fondness for the uh, older horror movies. Right. But what is it? Is it? Is there something about the new horror movies that just don't have the same quality to it? Is it? Is it like tired tropes? I mean, what's... I what think it? it's a combination of things. I think some of it is tired tropes. There's a lot of jump scare bullshit that you see in a lot of these movies. Like, in, I don't know. I'm throwing names out, okay? I don't... It's okay. Don't, Movies I've seen, I can't remember, like Insidious or whatever. I don't yeah. remember the movie. I've seen it, and I feel like it probably had spooky shit in the house and some jump scare shit, and it's like, oh, yeah, who cares? Um, Insidious this, is one. Oh, go ahead. It, no, oh, well, and, and I just threw a name out, you know. I don't know. I don't remember. What really sticks in my head, quite honestly, is Black Mirror. That's the one one thing that really, you know, like 50% of those episodes are really good that I actually might want to rewatch. The, the, the first That's, episode, the one with the pig? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember the one with the pig. That one was crazy. That that's a way it to was. start a series. Holy shit! They, they didn't mess around. They started it with a bang. Mm-hmm. The one that actually freaked me out the most was the virtual reality. I think it was like a guy who goes out to a some mansion or something out in the hills to test out this virtual reality set, mm-hmm. like a video game, and he gets sort of like stuck in it. Okay, and he's in, it. It was that one got me, man, because it it really it messed with his head. It started to manipulate his his brain, and that that really freaked me out. Oh, and I don't, not a lot of things freak me out, you know. But that one got me. It really kind of like, it's it. Yeah, I like that one. There's okay. a ton of good. So episodes. so there are some new stuff that you do like, but there's yeah, absolutely. But it seems like some of the new stuff, of course, being very general, doesn't really right. connect. It's like yes. are, like you mentioned tire tropes, like. I see a lot of you mentioned Insidious. I do agree that movie did have like a lot of jump scares. I'm not one for like paranormal paranormal movies. I'll watch a lot of horror movies. I'll even really enjoy like even the B movies. Like the ones are horrible, and but like something about Insidious, like the jump scares, it seems really predictable. It's like okay, uh, I kind of like. A lot of times they do seem predictable, don't they? That's one of the things. Like, oh yeah, I've seen this already. Why? Why are we doing this? You're like, I I look at it like it must be like, oh, it's a Hollywood thing. Oh, we make money off of horror movies. Let's just come up with a generic idea for a horror movie instead of something that's different, new, and interesting. Like how people must have felt when they saw. I mean, well, yeah, maybe not a lot of people saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre when it came out, but I don't know, like. Jaws, even just different things that came out at the time. Mm-hmm. Exorcist, The Omen. Maybe it wasn't, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. It probably scared the shit out of people. Yeah, in that and those, first. Mo- those movies, those movies when they were coming out, they were, they were kind of establishing tropes. They were. Yeah, there were some movies that came out beforehand, like I'd say, yeah, like Black Christmas had the. Okay, well, yep. Psycho, you could say, had like a slasher. It started like the, I guess, the slashing. If you look at Psycho and Black Christmas, they really set the um, the town that dreaded sundown, uh, which was sort of a mockumentary type of thing. But it kind of even had a slasher feel before. Yeah. And but but of course, and then the movies afterwards, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then um, like Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday 13th. I mean, they were still kind of like they were still establishing it. It was, it was kind of new then it was a, a new thing, yeah. especially you think about what they did. Let's say Friday the 13th, the first one, they used a lot of POV shots, which is something yeah. I don't see too much in a new horror, which is, I, I guess it's a little jarring to see at a first. It's like, Oh, first person perspective. Like what's going on here? Am I playing a right. video game? What's going on here? But yeah, that's a good first point. Person yeah. Perspective like is that. like, like you don't see who's doing it, but you know what's happening. And that's yeah. part of the mystery. So, right. you know, I kind of wish we would see more of that, maybe a little bit here and there. 
I say that for more creativity. That was creative, right? At that time, like, well, what can we do? Oh, yeah. well, it's not Jason. It's his mom. But you don't know because you are his mom because <laughs> that's what you're seeing, right. you know, when that's happening, right? right? Yeah, it's cool. I mean, and in Hollywood's like regurgitating these these franchises, like Halloween oh, yeah. is getting another one, right? Or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, they're making a new, they're making a new Evil Dead. You saw that? Uh, a new one? Wait, after the last new one? Evil Dead Four. Oh, Evil Dead Four, huh? They're filming it. Wow. They're, they're filming it. It's it's for real. It's happening. Uh, Bruce Campbell's not going to be in it, but he's a producer. He's on it, sort of, to see. So, um, what's his name? I'm I'm escaping on the director's name. Raymond. Oh, Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. He's not yeah. directing it, but he gave like like he passed the torch to another director right. that yeah. be able to do it just right, and maybe it'll be okay, maybe it won't. I don't know. At the same time, I'm like, guys, this is like we say we're tired of the same stuff over and over again. If we if we if we like applaud this, aren't we just encouraging the same stuff over and over again? Like, hey. like do we yeah. want to be principled on this, or do we just be like, well? It's Evil Dead. Evil Dead's good. So, I mean, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. See, I'm gonna. I'm in the minority. I love the first Evil Dead movie, and when I was younger, I like. I still like the second one, but I used to really like Army of Darkness, and I don't. I watch it. God, Bruce Campbell's character or Ash. He's such a Ash. dick. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't. I don't like. I just don't like Ash in that movie. I don't like the. It's funny. I just like the first Evil Dead. I don't like any of the other. I saw the play in Las Vegas and I hated it. Oh, they had a play in Las Vegas. Me. I did not see that. Okay, cool. There's like some play, you know, squirt blood in the audience and stuff. <laughs> I just thought, ugh, I it's didn't like, like it. concert. Okay. So I'm not. I, I was like a guar concert, right? So I'm not into. I'm not the, the idea of an Evil Dead four. That doesn't do anything for me, mm. but. I can see why they're doing it because, you know, so many people just love anything Evil Dead, the series, mm. all that stuff. That's right. They want to milk that. And that's why they're yep. doing it. I mean, it's, it's a That's what it is, right? You want franchise. to milk Well, we can milk this again, huh? Like they're Come doing a Scream. They're making a Scream 5. It's like, I <laughs> yeah. I liked the original Scream. For some reason, Scream, yeah, Scream gets a lot of hate, though, for some reason. I don't it does. quite get it. I, because yeah, I like it. I I've seen it, but I haven't seen it in years. But I I yeah, I like Scream. Like some, I, I think some of the criticism I've read, I heard about was like, oh, it's it's cheesy. It's like, well, it's what do you think? It's like a '90s slasher, and it's yeah. making fun of slashers. It's like it exactly. It was it was Cabin in the Woods before Cabin in the Woods. It was meta on the whole thing. About yeah, it was self aware of what it was doing. It was so crazy. Exactly. Yeah, it's true. And then they just made a second one, a third one, a fourth one. Yeah. No, no, we did Scream One again for Scream yeah. Two. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Whatever. And in each one, there's like a, a plot twist. It's like, how many twists can we have? And like, it's like, oh, now her mom wants to kill her. Now her, I don't know. It's like, what's her name? Sydney? Is her name Sydney? Sydney. That's not. Yeah. Sydney. Yeah, I think so. It's like how her whole family must want to kill her. Like maybe, maybe she's the problem. <laughs> or Sydney. <laughs> Mm. Mm. But yeah, man, they just regurgitate. They just repeat it. Yep. So much, yeah, so much horror is that, which stinks. Uh. Um, have you paid any attention to any um, indie horror movies? They usually pop up on streaming services now. You know, not really. I, I, I got it, you know, whatever, like anyone Netflix and this or that, I'll... I'll switch them out. I'll get Shutter for a while, Netflix for a while. Yeah, there's a lot. I I, I try stuff out, and, and I might like something, but the thing is, it, it hardly ever sticks in my brain like movies used to. Yeah. And so I kind of they float in and float out. And sometimes I like it. You know, I'll go into social media. I kind of like this movie, and I'll write about it. And then the next day, I kind of it's out of my brain. And I kind of forgot about it mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. weird. It's like. That's why I feel like when I mentioned Black Mirror, because that stuck in my brain. You know, I liked it enough. It stuck in my brain. Or the movie I'm Just Fucking With You, that one stuck in my brain. But a lot of things just – there was a movie called like The Room or something. People get a house and there's this weird room where it has a door that goes off into something. Else. It was really good, but I can't remember. Was that movie called The Room or was it 
I don't know, but I liked it. Yeah, yeah sometimes they're named after a gimmick like, uh, was it the, the Quiet Place? It's like, yeah. okay, so the movie's yeah. about you have to be quiet. Ooh, yeah, you, I, I remember noise, that. You're yeah. going to get killed. Or, uh, the, which, that movie is one of those movies where I watched it. I remember bits and pieces of it, but it's yeah. like, I look at I it do like, too. kind you of like, like, yeah, I saw oh, the Quiet man. Place. I remember that. Oh, was it? What was the other? Oh, Bird Box. Bird Box was another yeah. one where I watched it. It was like, from bits and pieces of it, but I was like, come on. Like, this stuff is kind of silly. It's very similar to The Quiet Place. It, there, it, yeah. And there was, was another one called Silence or something that's, there There, been a few, you know? Mm-hmm. There was a movie, it was indie, I think it was indie, it called Hush. It tried to change up the trope a little bit about home invasion by having a disabled uh, person be the victim. She's uh, deaf, so she, so she can't hear anything. So it was like, okay, so you're very much having like a, like a Michael Myers sort of situation, like a Halloween situation, except the person can't hear the killer invade. And oh. of course, I mean, it, it's a movie and, you know, usually the main female character will make it to the end sometimes, you know, be the final girl. And she makes it to the end just fine. Not to spoil it, but I mean, that's that's what's <laughs> yeah. going to happen. They're not going to have a, a deaf girl uh, get killed in a, in a movie. I mean, that, that would not be progressive. That that would not be good now in 2020 or whatever. I think that was 2018. I, I forgot what that movie was. <laughs> but, or if you did that, it'd throw everyone oh, home. Wow, we don't know where this is going to go. They killed the deaf girl in the beginning. You know, right. You could do that. Right. But in that, in that movie, I was like, I was stuck on the premise. I was like, this is insane. Because this girl can't hear anything. And the killer was right in the room, could have killed her right then and there. But he realizes she can't hear. So instead of killing her, he was like, "All right, I'm gonna play with her," and then uh, ends up dying. So it was like, cat. "Yeah, what the hell? Come on!" Some of these yeah. cases are just so ridiculous. It's like, "Come on, man! Like, you want me to believe this? You want me to buy? It? Like, <laughs> yeah. keep it simple. Keep it simple." I don't like when you when you try to make it overly complicated. It's it's hard to like really buy into the the movies. It might be that striving to do something different. Well, this is different. Yeah. There's a guy who's been living in the walls of this apartment complex and he has access to it. It's like, really? Oh, you that's a movie that? too. What, what movie was that? There was a guy there who was is. living I in the house the whole time. I can't remember what it's called, but I've seen it, right? Yeah, yeah. it is. What was that movie fact, called? I'm in the construction business. I know how it is. You don't have access to all the damn apartments from being in the walls. What is this? I mean, maybe in an older building. I don't know. But, and, uh, yeah. What was the movie and Candyman, you, you kind of do some of those old old uh, apartments in the projects. Yeah, they have a well, hollow Candyman, space between. They do it in such a great. It's I think it's done in a very. I per, I think it, it's great. I love Candyman. That's a great movie. That is cool. It's almost like a wall movie. that goes into a, a an apartment no one's used forever. So it's you know probably burnt out or something, mm-hmm. and that's where Candyman lives. It makes sense to me. You know, you have a movie where someone's crawling through all the walls. Like, how is he getting through all these freaking walls? I can't right. figure this out. Apparently, uh, Candyman is based on a on a real situation where someone was murdered in their apartment, and they there's like there was no break in into the apartment, but there was someone there was murdered murdered there. So how did this happen? Well, they they figured that someone came through. The uh, the medicine cabinet, behind the medicine cabinet is a hollow oh, space, yeah. a cross oh, wow. space, and yeah. apparently in those those old apartments and, and the projects they they have that. It seems like a yeah, downfall. I, it's like you know, like why would yeah. you have that there? Uh, what was it for? I don't know, but but I could believe that because that's yeah possible. But oh, what else? Oh, as far as indie movies streaming. Man, going with the new stuff, there's a lot of new movies coming out and streaming stuff, and I, I some of it's just garbage. Some of it's just trash. Like like whole movies yeah. made like like on a camcorder, someone made in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. oh, stuff yeah. I used to do in this thing called Zombie Hunter, okay? But like people put it on like on, on Netflix or whatever. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It's it's crap. But. There's a lot of that. There's a glut of. It seems like there's a glut of that. You're like, oh, this is, eh. I, it, 
what I like is if you can see that if the trailer's available, I'll watch that, and then I can at least get a little bit of the quality of what the movie is before I even give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, ooh, huh, ooh. Right, right. This one don't look so good, and the acting's really bad. <laughs> I think I'm going to pass. No, and how do you think about that as a, as a horror author? I mean, you see this these movies and how they seem like probably have a crappy script or pre- crappy story. Like, how do, you, how do you think of that? Like, what's your perspective on that? That, you know, I don't know. As a horror, well, I think there's a lot of great ideas. I think there's a lot of great stories that, you know, people are writing. They're being published. They're really good. Um, they're not being made into a movie. And it's not because an indie author is going, oh, no, uh, I want more money than that. It's because nobody's going, hey, we want to make your book into a movie and whatever. I mm-hmm. I think there's a lot there. of great ideas. Yeah, yeah, ideas that could be movies. I just think they're maybe when people are writing a script, uh, you know, to do a, an indie movie you know, on a, a, a short budget, they're just like, oh, well, we could do this, we could do that. And then they fall into maybe the trappings of, oh, well, that's been done before. That's Everyone's done that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we know the episodes of The Twilight Zone or half of them are in one room because it was easy to shoot in one room, but they could do something brilliant with that one room and well, and then, you know, someone nowadays might think, oh, this is a great idea. We could use this one room and we can do this thing. It's like, oh, you're doing a Twilight Zone episode, but you haven't seen it and you don't know it. And people are going to see it and go, oh, I've seen that before. And I don't know. There are things out there, but I don't think they're really maybe looking far enough. Thinking, oh, I can write it. Well, maybe you can't. Maybe you could direct it. Maybe that's mm-hmm. what you should do. Maybe you shouldn't write it. Maybe you should find someone else to write it, write something original. I don't know. One thing I definitely want to ask you here is, as a horror author, how do you feel about when you when you sell your work, when you sell your story? Like, how does that feel? Well, it feels great to sell a story. It feels great to sell a book, whatever. But it's hard to do. It's uh, you know, after so many, I've been you know selling. I've I've published over I don't know, like somewhere around one hundred twenty five hundred thirty stories, novels and novellas, somewhere around twelve thirteen. And it doesn't get easier to sell them. It's maybe harder. And a lot a lot of it is because there's a lot of great stuff out there. There's a lot of great writers out there writing great stuff. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's awesome. I can't I can't be mad at that. That, that. That's great. It just it makes it harder for me, you know, because I'm competing with everybody, right? So it's, it, it's, it's difficult and it's – I don't like selling myself. I don't like sending out a, you know, an email like, hey – I got this book and I think you're going to like it. Da da da. Cover letter and a synopsis. It's, oh, I hate that part. It's tough. You know what? That's a healthy perspective to have there. Uh, especially when in, in relation to with a competition. Like, you're not afraid yeah. of the competition. It's something that you recognize is there. There's other authors there. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. there's a lot of there's writers some great, trying to get there published. There are people writing some great stuff out there. And when I see that my book got rejected by a certain publisher and then I see what they put out and I go, ah, I didn't know they were sending you manuscripts or you were asking for them or whatever too. No wonder I didn't get in there. Jeez, you know? Yeah. You know, I go, okay, I I guess I, yeah, I get it. (laughs) Now, are are there ever times when when you work, when you're selling a story or pitching it, that you feel like you might be settling? Well, not anymore because I think that's what's made it much more difficult for me to sell things is I think I'm at a point where I don't want to settle. And so I have my uh, – I'm very laser focused on publishers I want to work with and I don't even bother with anything I don't want to work with. And so, yeah, I don't sell nearly as much as I used to because I'm – and, and I, I, I probably should look a little hard. I probably should – I don't know. It's been it's been a long time, and I don't know. I, I I don't actively seek out things as much as I used to, because mm. I think I have a good uh, idea of what what the horror genre and the th- you know the publishers that are worth their salt, and you know I focus on those ones. I mean, you're definitely in a position now where publishers are coming to you asking you to 
you know, write a story for them. Have you have you been contacted by other publishers as well? I mean, and you've been contacted by Death Set Press. Anyone else? Yeah, yeah. You know, they every once in a while I'll get an invite or something to something. You know, not all that much. It's you know, it, it's not it's not an easy business to be in. It's not at all, man. It's hard to sell your stuff. It's hard to you know. You gotta. I think I, I don't think I've had a book that has done so well that it really has maybe. I don't know if it boosts you into the next echelon or whatever, where it's like, oh yeah, you know, put your name out there more. I, it's been, it's been difficult, you know. If I feel like it has, you know, and, hey, who knows? Maybe it's maybe it's what I'm writing. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but I do have, you know, I have fans. I have people that read everything. I get, you know, I get messages like, oh, I read your last book, and I liked, it, and all that kind of stuff, and that's great. And it builds with each release. It's just, I guess, I got to just keep going forward and keep slowly building this, this thing that I'm working at, and that's kind of where I feel I'm at. Hey, that's pretty good. So, I mean, what sort of advice would you give to those that are aspiring writers, aspiring authors, and um, maybe either? They're trying to pitch their story here and there, trying to sell it, but it's just not. They're like in the beginning, beginning stage. Like, what would you, what would you tell them? Well, I would say keep going for it. You know, keep writing. What do you like to write? Keep submitting your story. I, I've had stories that were rejected, you know, fifteen times before someone bought it. And I mean, bought it. You know, paid money, not just you know, give it away. You shouldn't give it away. I did at the beginning for you know several stories because that's stupid. I didn't realize anything. Just keep going for it. Oh, uh, the I uh, mean, like the the for the love, uh, for the love, yeah. yeah I gave a few out for the love, you know. And you get paid for one. Like, why the hell did I give anything away? What is this? You don't give it away. Come on. Yeah, it's true. It's that is uh, that is something every writer is gonna have to figure out for their decide like. I say that because as as a publisher, I started off like for the love because I didn't have any money to pay out a long time ago. Yeah, and you might be in that situation if you're starting up, but like writers shouldn't just sell their stuff for nothing. Like publicity now, or sorry, exposure. The word exposure. What does exposure mean on the internet when uh, a blog or um, a an anthology on Amazon. Is that really exposure? If no one knows about it, like, are you, are you, yeah, exactly. What are you being exposed to? Who's being exposed to you? Nothing. There's no exposure. No one knows it's there. Right. So if you're going to do a, for the love sort of contract, I would say, make sure that you still have, like all your other rights, like make sure it's time limited. First of all, actually make yeah. sure it's not exclusive. It better be a non-exclusive contract. And usually with the non-exclusive contracts, they're, they're going to have a, maybe a little window where it's only going to be at their place for a little bit. Um, yeah. Good news is, I mean, unless these contracts are notarized anyway, it, it's just like an agreement. I mean, like you could yeah. publish someplace else anyway. And like, what what are they gonna do? They're gonna take your book, take yeah. your story down from uh, what, what, the anthology that they put it in. You really think it could go through that right. work? No, not they ain't doing that shit. No. So writers know what you have. Authors know what you have. Like like you, if you're gonna do for the love, then okay, do it. But don't like, don't think that that contract is like oh like you're you're bound to it and it's forever. I, I what what I would say is. Don't go back and be like, oh, I want my story taken down now because it's like, come on. I mean, like, what are you doing? But if you make a desperate sort of agreement, stick with it. But at the same time, it's like you are, you are free to use that story anywhere else you want. And honestly, if it's a good story and it was somewhere else and no one else seen it before, see, that's the thing. If it's been published before, technically, technically it's a reprint, right? Yeah. But if someone yeah. really likes it, it's like, well, I want to use this. But it's been published somewhere else, but no one knows of that other thing. Maybe you can negotiate with them. And maybe then they'll say, okay, I'll take it. But then uh, can you ask them to take it down or whatever? And then and then you can navigate that that situation, which yeah. I've been in situations like that where it's like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do that just fine. Like there was a story on, on the Dead Man's Tone blog or whatever. It's like, yeah, I'll take that down. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. sure. 
But it's I would not I don't recommend for the love. Like you gotta be you gotta yeah. be careful with yeah, it. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> protect your uh protect your property and what you write right. is, is your stuff. Exactly. Okay. Uh, I know we're live. Hmm? I've got to pee really bad. Oh, we're almost done. We're almost done. Oh, we're about okay. To wrap up, about to wrap up. Right okay. Here. <laughs> okay. So, first off, I was going to say, Robert Isig, it's been great having you here on Hard Talk Radio. For those oh, watching, definitely uh, leave a comment and uh, press the like button, share, subscribe, and definitely look forward to Robert Isig's uh, Western Splatterpunk from Death Set Press. Yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah. you guys take it easy. Have a good one.